Uh, but now we're going to jump into part three of our series on detox. And uh, we, in addition to the prayer time through this 21 days, uh, we've been doing some fasting. And some of us have been doing food fasts. And food fasts are much different than fast food. And I uh, just want to make that clear for you. Uh, food fasts are a whole lot better for you. And while some of us have been doing food fasts, uh, I've been encouraging you in the sermons to fast from things other than food. Uh, the first week we learned how to detox our spirit by fasting from doubt, uh, negativity, and sin. And uh, last week we learned how to detox our soul by fasting from unforgiveness, comparison, anger, and worry. And today we're going to do a body detox. We're going to talk about our, our body. Uh, you, you, you are born with your body. That's the material part of you. Uh, and you're born with your soul. That's the immaterial part of you. Your intellect, emotions, will, personality. And, and your body and soul come alive when you are conceived. Life begins at conception. And then your body and soul uh, appear when you're born. But the spirit part of you, your spirit part of you is there, but it's not alive yet. And it doesn't exist until you trust in Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus says you must be born again. You're born physically with your body and soul, but you've got to have a spiritual birth that happens at some point. And once that happens, then you become the whole three-part being that God wants you to be. But until you've accepted Christ, you're only operating with two-thirds of your potential. And that's why life is hard for most people. And that's why the world is so chaotic and so disjointed and, and why God's will is not always done. Because people, they're not spiritually alive, connected with God. So in this series, we've been addressing the whole person, spirit, soul, and body. And today we're going to talk about body detox. Look at first, uh, 2 Corinthians 6. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And the word yoked there uses a farm implement to paint a picture for us. A yoke is a large piece of wood with a couple of wooden hoops on it, and you put it over the neck of two oxen, and it would tie the oxen together so they could pull a cart or pull a plow for the farmer. And the purpose of the yoke was to bind the two oxen together so they head in the same direction at the same pace. Same direction, same pace. That's the purpose of a yoke. Now there's another Bible passage where Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, Jesus is telling us to, to move at the same a direction and same pace as Christ. So we're to break the yoke with the unbeliever and the unbelieving world, and we're to yoke up with Jesus and move in the same direction and same pace with him. That's what this yoke thing is all about. And so Paul's telling us, be careful how tied up, how yoked together you get with unbelievers, how you connected you get with worldly things. And then he lays out a bunch of reasons why this is not good. He says, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and, and Belial, the devil? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate. Detox. 
Detox, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves, detox from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Now, when we think of a body detox, we usually think of drugs and alcohol. But there are other toxins that we can get into our body besides drugs and alcohol. And when we think of things that that we don't want in our body, uh, a lot of us uh, think uh, about our weight and our diet. Only God can create the donut. But it's the devil that makes me want to eat all 12. Okay? But today, I want to do something way beyond our our weight and and appearance. And I want to talk about stuff that can be toxic to our bodies. But but first, I want to show you how the way you treat your body impacts your soul and spirit. So let's look at body toxins. I watched this in Romans 7. Romans 7 is where Paul uh, admits his contamination. He just comes out of his denial and and he just addresses uh, the dilemma with his sin. He says, so I find this law at work. This, This is the way life works. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. You know, in your inner being, your soul and your spirit, they delight in God's law. They want to do the right thing. But, I see another law at work in the members of my body. You know, my soul and spirit want to do the right thing, but my body parts, that's a different story. The third part of us, the body, it has its own agenda, its own desires, its own delights, to the point that war breaks out between the body and the soul and spirit, waging war against the law of my mind. I know what the right thing to do is. But my body says, I want to do this. And it makes me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. So while my soul and spirit want to do good, my body goes in the other direction and war breaks out. Any of that sound familiar? Sound, sound, uh, you know, you struggle with that? Paul is so frustrated with that. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who? will rescue me from this body of death? And the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ can set you free from the toxins in your body. You can experience freedom in a great, great way. So let's take a look at these, at these body toxins. We're, I'm going to talk openly, freely about these things. The Bible has a lot to say about this stuff because this is an important issue. And so here's the first one. Jot this down on your outline. Addiction. The definition of addiction is anything that I don't want to do, but I keep doing. You know, distractions become habits until the things we can't live without define us. The things we can't live without define us. And and we all face addiction in some form. We all have bad habits that are telling us how to live our lives. And you might say, well, how do I know when a bad habit has become an addiction? Well, you can ask yourself some questions. Do you arrange your schedule around it? Do people around you say, you might have a problem with that? Are you working to keep it a secret? 
Is it isolating you from other people? Could you stop it over the next six days? That might indicate it's an addiction. So what in your life? And it could be a host of things. In a group this size, it could be gambling, it could be lust, it could be gossip, it could be overspending, it could be alcohol, it could be food. Any, anything that I can't go six days without. And so I just want to encourage you that, that God wants to get involved in that battle. God wants to fight on your behalf in the war between your soul and spirit and your bodily desires. Look at Romans 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. For sin shall not be your master. And so I want you to think of an area in your life, an area in regards to your body, your physical being, that you're going to detox from for the next six days. With the hope that it'll stay out of your life completely. The goal is not just to take a break from a bad habit. The goal is to break a bad habit. We're going to get rid of our body toxins. Now we're going to ramp it up a little bit on the next point. Uh, on your notes, write debauchery. Debauchery. I use that fancy word because that's the word the Bible uses. And debauchery is, uh, mean, means letting the desires of your body call the shots in your life. You let your senses uh, control what happens. And I want to hit this head on. I want to be really clear and open about this. And this issue probably affects those of you who are 30 and younger differently than it affects those of us who are over 30. Because those of you who are over 30, we grew up in an era where there were some moral absolutes. We grew up in an era, a time, when even the government recognized the need for restraint. I mean, back in my day, the president's wife, Nancy Reagan, uh, came out with an anti-drug, anti-alcohol, anti-premarital sex campaign, and it was called Just Say No. Yeah, Just Say No. You know, we were a generation who believed that you could come face-to-face with, with the temptation to do something that you knew you should not do. And at that point, your moral compass could, could, could guide you uh, to, to not listen to your feelings, not listen to your peers, and you could just say no. But today, everybody's saying, just say yes. Just be yourself. Whatever you feel, that's what you need to do. You need to live out of your feelings and your desires. We don't care what the facts are. How do you feel about this? But there is more to life than following your feelings. If you follow your feelings, you will wind up in despair. If you follow your feelings, you're gonna, it'll, they'll lead you to debauchery. That's why we've got to be careful what we put into our bodies. Because some of the things that we put into our bodies fuel and ignite our feelings. And that's why the Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. You know, people do crazy things when, when they dull their senses, when they dull their reason with drugs and alcohol. People do things they would never do when they were sober. So don't follow your feelings, especially if your feelings have been twisted by something that you're putting in your body. 
And with every one of these, God, God doesn't just say no. God offers you an alternative. He offers you something better. Don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. God offers you an alternative to debauchery. Ramp it up a little bit more. Sexual immorality. The Bible is very vocal about sexual immorality. Yet most people don't know what it is. What is sexual immorality? The Greek word there is the word porneia. And that's where we get the, Greek, the English word pornography. But it, the word doesn't, in the Greek doesn't mean just pornography. It means any sexual activity outside of marriage. Any sexual activity outside of marriage. And that's marriage defined by God, not defined by the government. It's between one man and his wife. So this issue of sexual immorality, honestly, it confronts all of us. Because it includes lust, it includes living together, it includes premarital sex, it includes any, any sexual activity outside of one man and his wife. All sex outside of marriage destroys us. And the question is, well, why? What does, it matter? what does it matter what I look at? I mean, I'm by myself. It doesn't impact anybody. Let me give you this verse out of 1 Corinthians 6. This comes out of a letter written to a church in a city where they worshiped false gods through temple prostitution. Okay? The way you worshiped was to go to the temple and give an offering, and that would allow you to engage in a sexual activity with a prostitute. I mean, you don't think a culture can sink to low lows? And that's why this stuff matters. Because you don't want to go where this stuff will take you. So Paul has to write to the Corinthians. He has to write to believers in the church and say, do you not know? And they would have said, no, we didn't know. Because nobody told them. Just like our generation, the young generation today, nobody's telling them. In fact, everybody's telling them the exact opposite. Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? God doesn't dwell in buildings. God dwells in you. You are part of the body of Christ. And shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? And the word unite there, when the Corinthians heard that word, they would, oh, we didn't know that's what was going on. Because the word unite means to permanently fuse together at the deepest level of the soul. Permanently fuse together at the deepest level of the soul. And, you know, the world wants you to think all this stuff, it's just, it's just casual. It, it, it doesn't matter. It's even recreational today. You know, I don't even know her name. It was spring break. I don't even know her name. And yet you left a part of you with them and you brought a part of them with you. Because you have been fused together at the deepest part of who you are. That's what God created to happen when you engage in that kind of activity. And by that kind of activity, I mean at any level. There's not a line like, okay, I can, it's okay up to here, but I don't want to cross that line. No, it's any 
sexual activity outside of a husband and a wife. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? And he's, and he's not just talking, the terminology here, he's not just talking about in the physical sense. He's talking about a soul bond that happens. And God did that to help us married people out. Because God knew that if that part of our life in marriage was active and healthy, it, it would bond us together. It would create a bond that would last through the, the toils and troubles and tribulations of life. And so God gave us this soul-bonding gift to take place between a husband and a wife. Not a boyfriend and a girlfriend, not fiancés. Not somebody you're living with, not a casual acquaintance that you're dating, not some image on the internet. And then Paul quotes the very first mention of sexuality in the Bible, for it is said, the two will become one flesh. And again, it is far deeper than just physical. If you don't think it's far deeper than physical, talk to a victim of rape or sexual abuse and ask them if the effect on their life was more than just physical. Far, far more than just physical. Now, none of this is very encouraging, is it? Because to varying degrees, all of us have violated this principle. I mean, we're just broken. And, and that's, what, that's, that's the, what a wretched man I am. And some of us are permanently fusing with a computer screen and some of us are permanently fusing with temporary partners and soul bonds are happening at the deepest level and artificial and inappropriate and unstable relationships. And, and then when that, that temporary casual relationship ends, it rips our heart and our soul and our spirit and wounds us deeply. You know why many of our relationships are in trouble? It's because we're trying to build them on broken and wounded hearts. We wound each other with inappropriate relationships and actions, starting when we're kids through the teenage years and in college. And then we wonder why, why our marriages are weak. Because we're trying to love each other with wounded hearts. Let that sink in for a moment. But God, God has a way out for us. What, what a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this body of death? The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer for you is Jesus Christ. But listen, if you want Jesus to be your Savior, Jesus also needs to be your Lord. And if Jesus is your Lord, he gets to set the rules. God sets the rules. We don't get to set the rules. We just get to follow them and benefit from them. Because when, when God gets involved, God doesn't just forgive. He cleanses and he heals. Psalm 103 says he forgives all my sin and heals all my diseases. He doesn't just take our sin and cover it up. No, he washes it away and he heals us. And he redeems us and he crowns us with his love. And, and he satisfies us with good things. And he renews our strength. That's why God invites you to detox from all this stuff. So how do I do it? Here we go. Look at this verse. 
Each of you should learn. Circle the word learn. You don't know it automatically. You've got to learn it. If you do what comes automatically, you're going to wind up with, you're going to load your body up with toxins. God wants you to learn his life-giving way to deal with these issues. He's not laying out a bunch of rules to restrict you. God is laying out a path that will lead you to freedom and life and peace. God's not against you. God is for you. God didn't write the Bible for himself. He wrote it for you to show you how to, how to live so you could learn to do what he calls you to do. Each of you should learn to control his body in a way that is holy and honorable. And we hear that word holy and we think it means perfect. And we think, I've, I've tried that. There, I'm, there's, I'm not perfect. There's no way I'll ever be perfect. And so I just give up. Holy doesn't mean perfect. Holy means separate. It means I have set myself aside from the world. I've broken the yoke with the world and I've yoked up with Christ. That's what it means to be holy. So I'm not living in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. So let me give you three steps that you can use to detox. The first one is you've got to get away from it. Get away from it. What's it? Whatever it is for you. Because it may be different for, for every one of us. Maybe for you it is drugs and alcohol. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's the stuff you look at on the internet. Maybe for you it's that person at work and the relationship has gotten flirtatious and you realize you're two or three conversations away from disaster. Get away from it. Well, but we work together. Then get a new job. That's the only company in town. Then move. I'm not looking to lose you. But, it, you know, what are you willing to do in order to protect your heart and soul? Is it worth damaging all the other relationships in your life uh, over uh, some sexual temptation? No, the Bible says flee from sexual immorality. You don't manage it. You flee from it. You don't handle it. You flee from it. You flee. You run. Why? All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his body. You, you are sinning at the deepest level that, that fuses you permanently together with people. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. You honor God with your body because God bought it. He bought it with the blood of Jesus Christ. And because God, God bought it, then, then you need to do what he says to do. Listen, when you, when you get saved, you accept a deal with God. And here's the deal. God comes to you and says, look, you've got all these sins in your life, and you're going to have to pay for those sins. And the way you pay for those sins is uh, by suffering in hell forever. That God doesn't send... Uh, hell is not a place that God sends people that he's mad at. Hell is where God sends people to pay for their own sins. And so that's why good people wind up in hell with bad people. Because some good people decide they're going to pay for their sins. Maybe it's out of ignorance. They've never heard the gospel, knew there was another alternative. Maybe it's out of pride. Pride, pride can make good people make a decision, make a bad decision. But God offers us a way to have our sins paid for apart from us having to pay for them. God says, if you will humble yourself and trust in what Christ did on the cross, 
God will accept Christ's death as payment for your sin. So you don't have to pay for it. But God says, if you accept Christ's payment for your sin, that means you belong to me. I've bought and paid for you. So no longer do you get to make decisions based on what you want. You now have to make decisions based on what God wants. And the great thing is, God always wants what's best for you. <laughs> what a deal. You know, God loves you. His son died for you. He wants the best for you. And so now when I'm faced with an opportunity or a temptation to sin, I just have to ask, what does God want me to do? Not what do I want to do, what does God want me to do? And what God wants me to do is flee. Flee from sexual immorality. Don't be watching that junk on TV or at the movies. Don't be surfing the web looking for it. Don't be cruising the clubs and bars. Don't see how close you can get to the line before you cross it. Flee! Flee! That's what the God who loves you, saved you, and bought you wants you to do. Next point. In order to detox, I have to guard my mind. I mean, one of the things I hear about this stuff is, is you know, TV and movies and books. Is, well, there's just this one little part. It's a great plot, great story. There's just this one scene with the girl. And, you know, there's just this one part, one little section of the book. There's just this one line in the TV show. And, and, you know, it didn't bother me. That's the problem. It didn't bother you. Because it should. I mean, when's the last time you got up and walked out of a movie? When's the last time you took a book, now, I'm not reading this anymore, and threw it away? When's the last time you changed the channel during your favorite show? You know, we let these toxins into our mind and body, and then we wonder why our relationships are so weak. And, and you don't need me to tell you this stuff is wrong. You know it's wrong. You've got the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. You have a God-given conscience. You know it's wrong. You do. But maybe you need me to lead you up to the point where you realize it's affecting you more than you thought. Now, if you're losing this battle, it's probably starting with your eyes. It's starting with what you look at, what you watch, what you read. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And so a good question to ask is, is what am I looking at that I shouldn't be looking at? What are you entertaining that you ought to be rejecting? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So put your addiction, debauchery, your sexual immorality to the test. Do a six-day detox this week and see. See if you can get your body, soul, and spirit lined up with what God wants you to do. Lined up with what's best for you and see what a difference it makes in your life. Now, God's only word for us is not stop, quit, don't, don't, quit, stop, don't, don't, quit, amen, go try that. Okay? That, that's not his only word for us. God offers us a better alternative. Sin will lose its uh, attraction when you discover something better. It's not effective just standing around slapping yourself on the wrist all the time trying to stop. 
No, the solution for detoxing your body is you need to go all in for God. You need to go all in for God. You need, you need to get to the point where you find yourself when you're caught in temptation or there's an op, you know, something that, that's, that's calling you, you just ask yourself, well, who do I love? Do I love sin more than God? Do I love me more than God? Do I love my addiction more than God? Who do I love more? And then you need to ask the question, who loves me more? Does God love me more than the devil? Does God love me more than my addiction? I mean, who has my very best interest at heart? God does, even more than I do. And so that can motivate me to follow him. You find something better than sin, sin will lose its appeal. It'll lose its power. And that's why the real solution to detoxing your body is just to go all in for God. And some of you have your toe in for God. And some of you have your hand in for God. I mean, you'll give God a hand. Some of you are in one out of seven. I'll give him Sunday, but I don't want God showing up Monday morning at the office. Some of you, you're way in. You are way in. But there's one area. There's one thing. There's one habit. There's one activity. There's one relationship. And you're hanging on to that one. And it's controlling how all the rest of your life functions. You know, it's time for you to deal with that one thing. It's time for you to go all in for God. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, here's the alternative. Give yourselves completely to God. Give yourselves completely to God. Last verse. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do. I run with purpose in every step. That's why I love our growth track. You know, I, I've learned after over a quarter of a century as a pastor, I've learned that the best way for me to pastor you is to put something into your life that's bigger than everything else. And to invite you to a call and an activity and, 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 and relationships that are bigger than everything else. And that's what our growth track does. We're doing 301 Discovery this afternoon. What a great afternoon to go to Growth Track for the very first time. We're going to help you discover your spiritual gifts, your personality, and your passion for ministry. And we will help you get your focus. You know, the people who live in victory are the people who have their eyes focused on God. They're not distracted by sin in the world. And they know what their purpose is. And they know who it's for. And they pursue it with a passion. And when you begin to do that, you begin to break free, baby. You begin to live life like the three-part person God made you to be. And it can be, your, your sins are forgiven, they're gone, the, your wounds are healed, you are redeemed, and you have a purpose, and God crowns you with love, and your relationships become healthy, your relationship with Him, your relationship with other people, and you're satisfied with good things. You're not hungering, thirsting after wicked things, you're hungering and thirst after righteousness, and God renews your strength like the eagles. That's what God offers you if you'll detox. Let's pray together.
God, I just thank you and praise you for, for your love for us and for your wisdom, for the plan that you have for us. You, you know us. God, you know our brokenness. You know the wounds we've experienced. Many of us have wounded ourselves. Many of us have been wounded by others. Many of us have wounded others in the very areas we've talked about today. And God, we just come today and admit what wretched men and women we are. And we just cry out to Christ to come and rescue us from this body of sin and death. God, we trust that you'll not only forgive, but you'll cleanse and heal that you'll restore. And you'll, you'll take our old, wounded, cold, hard, stony hearts, God, and that you'll turn them into a heart of flesh that beats with a love for you. God, we thank you that you can move into our relationships, that you can heal them, and that we can take, take those things that have wounded and hurt in the past and we can use them to fuse us together permanently at the deepest parts in a way that brings glory and honor to you and joy and benefit to us. God, thank you. Thank you for the hope we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.